Well, there are a few things driving the grain market right now, actually more than a few, not the least of which is weather across the U.S. grain belt. That has everyone on hold for planting. Part of it is because of wet soils, the other part because soils are just frozen cold in some states. The weather issues in the main growing regions of Brazil also a factor. Chinese purchases of U.S. corn this week were part of the conversation as well. We'll get to all of that with Coley and Kavanaugh. That's coming up here in just a moment. The guys are brought to you each and every week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. A big thank you to them for that. You get a ton of great benefits when you become a member, but like I always say, the big benefit is is the support that your Farm Bureau gives you in Congress and in the legislature with all of the issues that are facing us. Consider becoming a member because that support is sorely needed and they get that by your membership. Simply go online to it, pays to be a member. Org. Well, uh, we had some things to talk about, David, this week with regard to export sales, particularly China. And I didn't have much time to talk about that on my minute report that I do the other week, but I do want to emphasize several things. The wheat export sales, again, very low. I think the price prohibitive part of the export sales is coming in. It came in at 202. They wanted 150 to 175, but still the numbers aren't really made anyone's expectations. On the corn, it came in at 1.710. And to no surprise, China bought 1.3 of that. Uh, Mexico bought 334, and we also had Korea buying 125, so very impressed with the corn number. Bean number also the same, 1.7 million metric tons. The top guess there was 1.5. China was, again, a big buyer, 633. Mexico bought 200, and we're also seeing a lot of other countries that normally we don't see because of the Thai vegetable oil market at this point. They're also buying soybeans. John, corn futures were pretty solid this week. Did we hit any new highs this week in terms of corn futures? Yes, we did. New uh, contract highs on corn. Again, this corn market just keeps going, but so does everything else right along with it. I mean, this is just incredible. And by the way, despite all these sharply higher prices, there are still no signs of any price rationing occurring. That implies, anyhow, that it's not over yet. And I guess there's a rumor that, that China is looking to maybe buy another sizable amount over the summer months? Yes, the rumors are still floating around. Now, it's just at this point, it's just rumors and chatter. You know, last week we talked about a rumor that China was in for one to one and a half million tons of corn, and that apparently was true. That Those numbers have been verified. We had an announcement earlier uh, this week of 1.088 million tons of corn being sold to China. And I do believe more is coming before the cheaper South American corn takes over. I always listen to you when you say you're hearing a rumor. It just seems that oftentimes it happens. So I'm relying on you to keep us up on the rumors. How much of this buying out of China is because of disruptions to unshipped corn out of Ukraine that they were expecting to get? Oh, that's part of it. No question about that. That's not all of it. Let's remember the demand is real. And obviously the sales that are on the books, uh, they're not able to ship at all. And obviously China has turned to the U.S. to fill in the gaps. So certainly a lot of it is demand is coming from that. But some of it, too, is just is just real increased demand. David, the uh, soybean complex been pretty squirrely when it moves. It, it's in big fistfuls. You know, it's 20 and 30 cents at a crack. It's just been crazy lately. I heard you reporting this week, interesting, that the managed funds sold off 6,000 soybean contracts, 6,000 soy meal contracts, and then turned around and bought 7,000 soy 
oil contracts. And you made a very good point that really explained one of the kind of weird nuances in the soy complex. Soy oil, very strong. And you'd think at first blush that that would bolster the entire soy complex, but uh, not so. No, it does not, Rob. And this is a lot of people misunderstand this. You know, when you look at a bushel of soybeans, what's your yield on that when you crush it? Well, you get about 11 to 12 pounds of soybean oil, but you make a lot of soybean meal, 48 pounds. And the one thing that the beans just can't handle very well is when you get a bull market in vegetable oil, which we're seeing the grand bull market in soybean oil and vegetable oils in particular. <laughs> never before. Right. Like never before. You're right, John. But when you're seeing the demand for soybean oil, this strong in vegetable oils, you're making an awful lot of soybean meal. And that soybean meal is causing the price to drop for the soybean meal and for the beans on days when they don't have a lot of upper momentum. And that's a conflict within the context right now, because when you're looking at the crush, yes, the soybean all side's strong. But on the other side, that meal market is definitely very weak and probably headed lower. And that oil market, John, has been so volatile on a on a global scale. Back to the palm oil thing. And, and you know, they come out with one thing and say, now we're not going to ship anything. We're not going to export anything. Then they change their mind about what they're going to export. And then they change their mind again. Yeah. They changed yeah. their mind and decided, no, they're not going to ban export sales. Right. Then they came back and they banned export sales again. Yeah. It's doing the <laughs> hokey pokey first. They put the oil in, they take the oil out. Then they put the, <laughs> I mean, this Indonesian thing, from one day to the next, I mean, you better be careful because if you already bought it, they banned the export of it. That caused another surge in world vegetable oil prices, which again, world vegetable oil prices set new all-time highs again this week. Man. And of course, I'm looking at soybean oil, which is trading in the vicinity of 80 to 90 cents a pound now. Holy cow. I can remember when uh, bean oil traded for 10 cents a pound. How old are you anyway? <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Come over on the Mayflower? We're going way back. Jeez. Well, you know, one of the big conversations this week has been obviously about the weather and about planting and about, well, actually about no planting that's going on because of cold soil temperatures. But one of the things, David, that stuck out to me was is that last year we were talking so much about Iowa being dry and all droughty in in different parts of the state. We were concerned about whether or not they were going to even get close to the five-year average in terms of yields. And now all of a sudden, conversation has turned and there's lots of moisture in Iowa. There's even more in the Upper Plains. And now, David, the conversation is even talking about flooding. And it's quite justified. I mean, you look at the rainfall amounts that we got recently, not just in our area, but in Illinois and Iowa and Missouri. Now, western and central Iowa didn't get that heavy of a rain. It was mainly in the eastern and southern part of Iowa that got the heavier rain. But then again, we're continuing to see this rain in the forecast, especially in the western Corn Belt. For us, they're actually diminishing it slightly for this weekend. But They're definitely looking at flooding out there. We had a really good update from Scott Irwin this week. He says, how fast can these I states plant corn? And here's an idea. They can plant all of their corn acres in 14 days once they finally get started. That's two weeks. You can't imagine how fast we can plant corn right now. It's amazing. So all we need is to get this weather to start warming up and start seeing the rainfall diminish. Thank you. It's starting to look like that on the weather models I've been watching. So there is some possible good news, but we're going to have to wait till next week to see how that turns out. Listen to Wolo in the mornings. I'll be updating you on that. David, you also mentioned that it was kind of dry in west and central parts of Iowa. Now, parts of Iowa's got some flooding. That's true. But west central Iowa currently is a 
about 15% planted on corn. And, you know, you just pointed out how fast they can plant. So if they stay relatively dry, they'll be done in two weeks. John, one of the issues in terms of the weather is that we're hearing, and obviously our biggest competitor is Brazil. We heard this week 75% of the Safrina corn crop is reported in drought. What kind of implications do we expect from that? Well, you know, again, the, the dry weather is not relenting. And I have not heard so far of anybody lowering the Safrina corn crop production. They're keeping it steady at the moment. However, there is a major portion of it which is very dry. And if that continues, you're going to start to hear reports of, well, we're going to lower estimates of the Safrina crop and therefore the total Brazilian crop. So we got to watch that one closely. And of course, the market is still very concerned about slow planting in the U.S. By the way, last week, our corn planting progress was the slowest in nine years since 2013. Yeah. Wow. But that can change quickly, too, oh, yeah. David. You know that as well as I do. If the weather turns favorable, you can go in very quickly. There more things to worry about than the delayed planting. Our rigosphere when it comes to the, the weather and corn is dry weather, not wet weather. Dry weather is your greatest fear. Yeah, well, if we could just get some warmer temperatures in the soil, that would be real handy at this point. David, let's talk about livestock. Uh, beef sales, pork sales kind of popped back up from where they were last week. Uh, how do we look in the final frame this week? Yeah, I really like the pork sales, 31500 And again, we had Mexico, the big buyer. I'm really liking Mexico at this point, buying 21,600 tons, Japan 3.6. And we did see Canada. Yes, Canada buying 2.1 thousand tons. So I'm glad for that. Beef export sales again drooping, although China again was a buyer of a million and a half tons, but the total was 11.5 million. Uh, the problem right now is we're not seeing the consumer demand for our meats, what was expected, you know, because that was the big talk all the way through April. Now we're flipping the calendar of May and all the barbecues are going. We're not seeing the consumer demand for meats we were hoping for. And some are saying that maybe this high price that we're seeing, and boy, when you look in the grocery store and see what the meat prices are, <laughs> right? unbelievable. Crazy. <laughs> so I think the consumers are saying, well, maybe I'll uh, skip the meat for this week or you know, buy something <laughs> yeah. a little cheaper. They're going after chicken. They're going after hot dogs. Or <laughs> David, I uh, heard you this week talking about weather disrupting cattle in the Upper Plains states. Oh, yeah, by all means. And not many people are making much note of this, but I'm seeing so many Twitter pictures from Dakota and parts of South Dakota of dead calves that were just calved. Yeah. And it's so sorry to see that. But, you know, they got that uh, 20 inches of snow a week ago and huge drifts. I did see the market top was in the northern tier of states. We got to 146 there. It's down a bit from the high of last week, but I like that because the southern states were only 139 to 140. So look at the big difference here. And that's because I feel because of the problems I've been having with the weather, of course, the calves, yeah. it's a big problem for them. And now the man that just can't leave well enough alone, he's always got to have the final word. So we step back and give it to him. John Cavanaugh. Hey, guys, you missed the biggest story going out there. It is demand, demand. And we've talked about this for the last year or so, how strong demand is. And I'd like to point out that the new crop export sales of corn and soybeans to date are running 63% ahead of a year ago. Now, what does that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of things. What it tells me, though, is the demand we're seeing is still there. It's maybe getting even bigger. It's going to be here through next year. And probably beyond that, we'll have to wait and see on that one. 
And it's occurring at a time when we have limited supplies and weather concerns out there. Folks, you put all together, and that says that prices are going to continue to stay high for quite a while. We have no room for air. If we get any major air, such as dry weather this coming summer, watch out. You're you're looking at some... You want to say the number? David, you <laughs> of course, of course. I said it last year. Equal length weights says we're going to nine fifty to ten dollars on the cord on the beans. I'm not predicting the high, by the way. Nineteen fifty to twenty dollars. So keep it in mind, the back of your head, that's the potential. I see it. I'm not saying it's going to go there, but that's the potential for the market top. Make a note of it. These will be posted on the WoWo Farm page as podcasts, so you can go back and take a listen to them. Or if you've got friends or family that would like to listen to them, just make sure that you let them know. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau, talking about the bonus benefits when you become a member of your local Farm Bureau. When you flash your Farm Bureau membership card, you get discounts on things like hotels, cha-ching, savings. But the biggest benefit of a Farm Bureau membership is the way the Farm Bureau fights our battles on issues like taxes, waters of the U.S., broadband, and making sure the farm families can keep farming and keep it in the family. Support your local Farm Bureau by simply becoming a member. That's all it takes. Just go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.